Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Hello and welcome to this long overdue episode of Accessible Theology. We're so glad that you are here to listen in on this conversation that Michael and I are about to have. Now, I think we probably should apologize. It's been uh, it's been about three and a half months. Now, for those of you who are listening, I, I, I think I think I have good reason for why we haven't communicated uh, anything, really. Uh, the the last episode that I released was uh, just a, a short announcement saying that what's coming is a study through the I am statements of John. That was on October the 13th. It was a Tuesday. Um, little did I know that that evening, I think I even said in the episode that I was due to have a baby. Well, my wife was due to have a baby any day now. Well, that any day was that day. And so... Uh, that's why one of the reasons, at least, we have not said anything uh, about anything at all. And now we're back and we are glad to be back. Um, we've also started in a PhD program, both of us, and uh, it's gotten busy. Michael, it's, it's been a little busy, would you say? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit crazy. And uh, <clears throat> so um, my, my wife, Kylie, is pregnant as well we're awaiting oh man in may the the birth of our son titus so it's been right busy all around for everyone some job changes things like that so it's been been crazy but we are very excited to be able to pick up uh not only where we left off but to kind of rearrange the way we did things in hopes Mm -hmm. to be as accessible and as beneficial as we can be to anyone who would listen and uh you know we say we apologize for not for not sharing anything, but uh, we we trust that many of you are not sitting on your hands. <laughs> waiting for our I, I like to think that there were a lot of people out there who were angry that we <laughs> haven't said anything. Yeah, um, I, yeah. forks have been raised over our absence. I'm sorry. Oh yes, yeah. I I think that's uh, it's probably the case that there were at least seven people who are upset at least seven. but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yes yeah yeah that's that's what i'm thinking so speaking of seven how do you like that we're going to be going through the seven i am statements in the book of john now uh, as we consider these statements we wanted to to just start with an introductory episode um, and and give kind of our our trajectory, what, what we hope to accomplish as we look at each of these individual statements. Um, we do think that there are seven of them, although there are other instances of the phrase, the word, I am in the book of John. We don't think that they count, <laughs> if that's the right way to say it. Um, so maybe, maybe we just start the conversation there. Um, if we if we're to to look at the book of John, uh, we see even uh, we'll just say in John chapter twenty verse thirty one, John gives his purpose statement for writing the book of John, where he says these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So everything John's doing in the book of John is is written with that aim, and so these seven I am statements have that purpose in mind. 
Um, but Michael, why aren't we looking at the other two? Because there are two other instances. And what is it about the seven that make them unique? Yeah, there may even be more than two others, like depending yeah, on how, I many, guess that's how true. Are, are translated. But yeah, like yeah. The, the question that comes up is uh, as people talk about the seven IMs, is that when you look at John 8 58 and John 18 4 and 5, which we'll actually turn to um, re- re- and read right now and discuss. Uh, the reason that we don't consider these to be the I am statements that we'll include in our series of seven is that unlike the seven I am statements, which are metaphors in which Jesus is saying that he is I am or connecting and identifying as Yahweh, we would say um, in a metaphorical way where he'll say, I am the door or I am the way, the truth, the life, where he's making these metaphorical statements in these other two places in John 8, 58 and in John 18, four through five, he is making declarations. He is making a statement about himself in these two other mm-hmm. places directly. And though, so they're powerful. They are significant for our theology, uh, mm-hmm. but they are not the metaphorical seven I am statements. And John, if you read the gospel of John, it, this comes up again and again, the more you read the Bible, it is a artistic literary masterpiece done with just incredible detail. And John is an incredibly gifted writer who has the number seven all over the place. There's seven signs. There's seven miracles. There's these seven I am statements, the number seven referencing the number of completion in in, uh, Jewish thought. So he is putting these forward as Jesus is the completion or the fulfillment of all these Old Testament hopes is is how he's framing this book in a marvelous way. And so we're looking forward to the next seven episodes we will do on this, where we work out those metaphors and what they mean about Jesus and how they apply to us and what they mean for our lives. But we yeah. want to consider these first two today on their own in our introduction to lay the groundwork for what I am means and yeah. uh, from and explain why they don't belong in with the other seven statements. So. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, maybe, maybe it would even be helpful. I I don't think we need to define metaphor, but, but maybe even just to, to have the example in front of us. So the, the first of the, I am statements, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And, and so a metaphor is a way of, it's, it's a way of comparison, right? So he's saying um, just after he's fed the 5,000, I'm not trying to not trying to steal the thunder from from the first episode. We actually look at this, but but where he's saying I am the bread of life, he's not saying that he's a loaf of bread. He he's making a statement that is a comparison uh, to show something about who he is and the work that he has come to do, right? So so the bread of life, he he's making this statement to show that he provides eternal life. And so when we say metaphor, we're not saying it's like something that didn't take place. We're not saying that it's untrue. We're just saying it's, it's a way of comparing um, uh, to, to compare something with something that they would have been familiar with to show what Jesus is like. And the other two instances, as Michael has said, they're just straight up declarations of, look, I am. And, and so this, this, 
sorry, I don't want to cut you no, off. No. So with, with that in mind, I think it'd be good just to look at those two examples to show yeah, yeah. Uh, those declarations for, for our listeners and talk through yeah. them a little bit. So if we yeah, look so at- I'm, I'm in, I'm in John 8:58 here, if you yeah, want me on. to read that one. Um, so in John 8:58, it says this, Jesus said to them, and he's, he's speaking in verse 48 to the Jews, uh, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's a big statement, but, but it, it continues. Uh, should I go to John 18 as well? Or do we want to talk about that one first? Let's talk about that one in his context okay. first and, and tie it in with something that's important. Why it matters that Jesus says, you know, ego, a me, when he says yeah. I am, if you notice in the next verse in John 8, 59, therefore they, the Jews that are listening to him picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus yeah. himself and went out of the temple. So why was it that the Jewish people picked up stones? Because Jesus earlier in this chapter says that they are sons of Satan and yeah. they don't pick up stones at that point. They're angry, yeah. but, but they don't try to kill him then, which, but then he says, right. I am. And they pick up stones. Why is it they do so? Well, if we turn back to Exodus three, uh, we can make some sense of why this is such a big deal. So back in Exodus three, we have the scene where Moses comes upon the burning bush and mm. Yahweh reveals his glory to him. And in this scene, Moses asks this question. If you look at verse uh, 13 in Exodus three, we read, then Moses said to God, behold, I'm about to come to the sons of Israel. And I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they will say to me, what is his name? Mm. What shall I say to them? So Moses is thinking, okay, God, if, if you're going to send me and, and have this message of deliverance, they need to know on whose authority are you speaking? And right. this is what Yahweh says in verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. You know, the, and he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And this I am statement um, is... Uh, the what is it called the tetragram the tetragram the uh, the idea of yeah the divine, Yahweh, yeah. yeah the the Yahweh statement which in in uh, Judaism would have been to take um, uh, English alphabetic letters and put it it would have been Y W H you know it's a uh, the three letters and that was Yahweh's covenantal name which when you're reading the Old Testament a lot of times it won't say Yahweh in most translations what you'll see yeah. is the all of the small caps of just L-O-R-D capitalized, which is Yahweh, God's holy name, mm -hmm. re revealing that he is self-sustaining, um, that he is not caused by anything, that he is eternal. It's, it's revealing those realities. So he calls himself, I am. So mm -hmm. going forward to John 8, 58 and 59, that's why the Jews are going to start because they understand the point. Jesus yeah. telling them that before Abraham existed, he, the eternal son, is one with the father. He yeah. is Yahweh. He is. Right. So, so Yahweh is not just a personal name for the father. Sometimes I think I, I used to actually think that wrongly for yeah. most of yeah. my life, that, that when we read Yahweh, it was like, oh, that's the father's name. And then, then Jesus is the name of the son. You know, mm -hmm, and then I used mm -hmm. to go, well, why doesn't the spirit have a name? You know, I used to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But that's because he didn't exist till Pentecost, right? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. oh man. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some bad reasons. Uh, that is not true. Just, just in <laughs> case, I need to to clarify that he is eternally existent, one yeah. with the Father and the Son. Amen. Amen. And so, what's important to note, though, is Yahweh is not just a name for the Father. Yahweh mm-hmm. is is the Triune God. Yahweh is uh, the character that is shared, the the, the yeah. nature that is shared by the Father, Son. And spirit, and this is what the Jews understand Jesus to be saying: that He, the man that they see standing in front of Him, the man that they know was born of a purported virgin, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to to Mm -hmm. their in their context, because they know this. Like it's in another scene, they say, "We know that Jesus was born from Joseph. We know where He's from. How can He be this eternal God?" And they get it, which they want to stone Him for blasphemy. It's one thing to call people sons of Satan; that'll make them mad. But to the Jews. To equate yourself, not to, not just to equate yourself, to identify as mm-hmm. the eternal God, that yep. that to them was blasphemy. But what they thought was blasphemy, John wants you to know, is reality, and yeah, that that's, so right. that's what comes through in this passage. Yeah, if I could just bring in a quote here um, from a, I think he's a pastor and and professor. Uh, his name is Dustin Crow, uh, and we have benefited from his work on this he has an article on his website uh, and he he just says simply this a couple sentences about john 8 58 when jesus applies the title i am to himself he claims to be god not a helper to god or a great teacher but the divine eternal pre-existent infinite perfect being he is israel's god he's greater than moses because he's the god of moses He has life in himself, and he can give life to us. The Jews knew taking on this title was making such a claim, which is why they immediately pick up stones to kill him. So so he's saying they knew. They knew exactly what Jesus was doing. And, And in claiming, I am, Jesus is saying, as Michael has already said, that he is the eternally existent God. And so that's that's, I mean... That's a bold claim, right? And and if you're not eternally existent, if you're not the eternally existent God saying, I am, then the Jews are right to pick up stones to throw him, to, to, to throw at him and stone him. But he is. And and so that's that's kind of I think where we're coming at from this, where <clears throat> Jesus is revealing himself and saying, I am the eternally existent God. Yeah. Amen. And, and that's what we see then um, all throughout the, the rest of John included in this is we see the sovereign lordship of Christ even in verse in, in verses like 59 that they pick up these stones to throw at him and just says, but Jesus hid himself and went yeah. out of the temple. I love yeah. that. I, I often wonder, what does that mean? Did he, did he yeah. shape shift? Like right. you're surrounded by a group of people who want to stone you and you just hide like. I, I don't think it just meant that he stood behind somebody else and snuck out the back door. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Because all throughout John, we see that uh, these references to his time had not yet come. You know, so mm-hmm. we see that Yahweh is the Lord of history who uh, has sent his only begotten son to take on flesh, that there was a trajectory towards Calvary that had to go in perfect accord with his plan. And the, the schemes of wicked men and of Satan, we're not going to stop that plan. It it yeah. was it was absolutely necessary that it would end at Calvary. And here we see that after making this this claim and this true claim about Himself, 
he is able mm. to escape their threats and await a later date, which speaking of that, let's turn to that later date when he we does go. not hide himself. Let's go to John 18. Yeah. I haven't turned there, but I have clicked there. So okay. uh, <laughs> if, if ever you're wondering um, which of us is more spiritual, it's probably Michael because he uses the paper copy of the Bible for almost everything. And I, I mean, I still do use it for some things, but uh, I'm sitting at a computer right now. So it makes sense to use an e-copy, right? I mean, I am, but hey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll read the digitized version here of, uh, of John 18, verses 4 through 6. And it says this, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. It also says he, but <laughs> Michael will tell us more about that. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there. When Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. So what's up with that one? They fall to the ground. And, and go ahead. You can tell us more about why it shouldn't be I am he. But there's a lot going on in that passage as well. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I have the, the legacy standard here, which is just building off of the New American, which in cases where there isn't an actual word where they're filling it in for English speakers, for smooth of translation, they'll put it in italics and the he is in italics in my translation. And rightly so, the, the, the he is not there. In fact, this is the exact same Greek expression that we saw in John 8:58 when they just had I am. So mm -hmm. the translators are, they're not lying to you. They're, what they're trying to show here is that he's identifying saying, I am that the one that you're looking for. However, in the Greek, there's an Easter egg, we could say. There's a, <laughs> we have John in his recording of this, having Jesus identify or declare himself to be Yahweh again in their presence. Mm -hmm. And unlike before, when he had to hide from them, here we see his glory. It's almost like God allows for his glory to be unveiled for a second, and it just knocks these soldiers right off their right. feet they i mean they can't stand in his presence it's similar to the scene in isaiah 6 when you have isaiah look upon the throne he says i'm undone he can't he doesn't yeah. feels like he's unraveling before the presence of i am and so in this in this context we see something similar and we see the hardness of man's heart i mean imagine in being imagine being at this scene where you are knocked back by this glorious statement and then you get up and it says that they immediately came and still arrested him, uh, which yeah. just shows you the hardness of man's heart. It also shows you that just like in John 8, 58, when Jesus was able to hide, when it was time, he submitted himself to the will of the Father and died a death, even death on a cross. So what we see here is the fulfillment of God's purposes. And once he, there's a verse in scripture that talks about Jesus setting his eyes like flint on Jerusalem knowing that mm -hmm. that was his trajectory, knowing that he, his whole mission, his whole purpose was to seek and to save the lost. How? Well, he's going to seek and save them through his substitutionary death on the cross. That was the purpose and the trajectory. And what we see here is that in this scene in John 18, he is giving himself over to the will of the father by allowing himself to be arrested so that he mm -hmm. would go and die in the stead of sinners for our salvation so we see this incredible scene here yeah yeah and and i think maybe even just just 
something that's important to notice that in this arrest of Jesus, they come seeking him, but he gives himself willingly. And, and he, you know, he's, he's there uh, in the garden with his disciples and they come, you know, to unjustly arrest and, and all of these things, but Jesus willingly gives himself up so that he can then go to the cross. Uh, and so this is, I mean, it's another crucial passage, uh, but it's, it's not what we're considering when we're saying the seven I am statements. Uh, but we did want to take time even to just look at these two um, to, to show why we think it's the case that it's not one of the seven, but also just to explain, because I think in explaining these ones, we see even a little more deeply what exactly Jesus is doing in, in these specific seven I am statements. So, so Michael, just even to, to connect it to those seven statements, when Jesus says something like, I am the bread of life. He means the same thing when he's saying I am like it's, it's the same. He's using the same phrase. He's making the same claim. It's a claim to divinity. It's just in a separate category is what we're saying. Yeah. And, and in it, it's in these cases, he's declaring his glory to in the one case, Jews, and in the other case, the, these Roman centurions. Uh, and, mm. bo- and in both of them, we see that and, and this is an important thing to say that it's not like there's less power in Jesus going to the cross here. The same yeah. power that hit him the first time in hypothetically could have done it again. He could have he could have destroyed all of his enemies right there. He could have gotten right. down off the cross at any moment. Like he is the all-sustaining God. And and he was at the moment of these scenes upholding the universe by the word of his power as the eternal son. Yeah. So it's an incredible thing to think about that it's not like there was now the father in spirit and, and then there's Jesus (laughs) like that from this Trinity that he's lesser than that, that, but the eternal powerful son is still upholding the word, the world by the word of his power in these moments. And in one, in one way, he expresses it by being able to hide, to escape the threat because of it. He had to, work all things out in accordance to his will but in this other situation giving himself away is not as though that god ran out of magic or or that Mm -hmm, god mm -hmm. does not have the power to save his son here this was in complete fulfillment of the purposes of god as ephesians 1 says according to the counsel of his will according to his preordained plan so that all things would be summed up in christ so this Mm. is what we see is the power of yahweh so in the scene with Moses in, in Exodus 3, the burning bush that announces himself, and we see the glorious deliverance of Israel thereafter. Here we see the glory of Israel in the face of Jesus Christ going to, uh, in, in a sense, have the second Exodus, right? He's about to go take on the baptism of the fire of death, right? He's going to go take right people's sins upon himself so that we would be delivered so the i am statements are incredible where they're that it's not as though these other seven are lesser or better than these two around including in many ways these other two statements uh help give us a handle on what the metaphor mean they're they're they're, john is not changing metaphors he's not switching things these give us deeper access deeper riches into who christ is which the most important thing that we can possibly, the most important thing about us is what we believe about Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, the most important question that we can answer is, 
when, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? That is the most important question that you will ever answer. Who do yeah. you say that Jesus is? And what John wants you to know is he is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the I am, the great right. I am that would die for his people's sins, raise for their justification, and sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for his people until he returns. Like this is the the I am statements that they point us to the all sufficiency of Christ. So you mentioned, what does that do with when he says he is bread? Or when he says he is the door, it is pointing yeah. to his all sufficiency, that he mm -hmm. himself is what his people need to, just as bread sustains our bodily um, right. um, hunger, it, it meets our need. Christ meets our spiritual need. He meets every requirement for life and godliness in him. And so that's that's what we'll work out more over these next seven episodes is we're going to look at what he's connecting to in the Old Testament go back to the Old Testament, read what those passages say, and then demonstrate mm -hmm. how Jesus is the fulfillment of them, because the whole Bible finds its yes and amen in him. So we want to demonstrate right. how that comes to fruition. Yeah, one one of the things that I, I want to just make explicit, though, um, we've been using the the title for Jesus of Christ a lot. And, and you just spoke of the connection to the Old Testament. And I, I read earlier, John 20, 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So could we just like, just make it explicit um, what we're talking about when we say the Christ and, and how that connects us to the Old Testament and how it explains to us a little bit more uh, what the, um, what the, the, I don't want to say role, what the, the function of jesus is as the christ so what is the christ who is the christ what does it mean that jesus is the christ yeah if we go to i mean the best place that comes to my mind instantly is psalm 2 for that and in there uh, we read starting verse one why do the nations rage and the peoples mm. meditate on a vain thing the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against yahweh and against his anointed the word says this word mm anointed in in the hebrew when it's greekified when it's hellenized yeah. in the New testament yeah. it is yeah. christ it's speaking of christ so that were or that what the jews would have said also messiah it means yep. the anointed one and what we see in psalm 2 is this anointed one is the one who he has installed as king upon mount zion the, the father has and that is pointing us ahead to the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater son of David, the one who would take the throne forever. And so in this, what we learned about Christ in the, in the New Testament is that he is the promised one. He is the anointed one. Anointing in the Old Testament has to do with being set apart for the Lord's purposes. Whenever okay. sacrifices were done or anything was done in the temple, it was often anointed so that it was set apart and consecrated, made holy for the Lord's okay. purposes. And with Christ, we know that he has set apart, as he says in John 17, 17, that he, he says that sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. But then he says mm. right after that, he's going to consecrate or sanctify himself for his people. In other words, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one is being set apart by God for his people. And he, and, and, and on the cross, he functions very similar to the uh, ram that's caught in the thicket. 
that is in the story of Abraham and Isaac, when Isaac is about to be slaughtered on the altar, the ram takes place and Jesus will be the one set apart that takes on the sins of his people. Uh, And that is what the anointing is referring to, that he would be set apart as the sacrifice, but even more, he's set apart as the, the son, the king, the one who his people hope for and long for the one promised from back in Genesis 3, 15, that he would, that the seed of the woman would crush the seed of the serpent. All of these promises that speak of the coming Christ or the anointed one are pointing, as John tells us, to Jesus, that he wants you to believe that he is the one the Old Testament is talking about. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for that. That's really helpful. And and even just while we're thinking of that, a specific note to the listener, if if ever you are listening to an episode and you're thinking, I have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, the name of our podcast is Accessible Theology. So if you find us inaccessible, let us know. We would love to clarify and we want to be accessible. We want to be understood and speak in a way that um, not just Michael and I understand because, I don't know, things make sense in our heads. We think very differently, but then they come out of our mouths and they might not make sense to anyone else. So if you find that to be the case, please, please just let us know. And we want to fix that uh, and explain things well. Um, So that being said, with each episode, as we go through the seven I am statements, it's our intention to to look at the Old Testament context. Um, We don't necessarily have any more of that to do right now, but but these seven I am statements that we're going to look at connect to something in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and so we want to we want to read our Bibles in such a way that we see it as one story. We see it as as one unfolding uh, revelation from God and and Jesus is connecting <clears throat> to different things in the Old Testament to help us see that. So that's what, that's what we want to do as we look at some of these new Testament passages to show uh, what Jesus is talking about when he's referring to himself as, as we've already said, the bread of life, there's old Testament context for that. And we're going to look at those. And then we're going to see specifically how Christ is the fulfillment of those things. Uh, And we also hope to apply it to our lives. So um, as we just go through these seven, I am statements, it's going to be a matter of looking at what took place in the Old Testament, what Jesus said about what took place in the Old Testament, and how that applies to our lives today. Yeah, so, and, and that's one thing I'd want to say to that, to uh, reiterate what Aaron is getting at, is that we we believe the Bible is one unified plot line. And right. this is something that is really easy to miss. Um, a lot of us are confused with how to read the Old Testament, how to connect it, and it's not two stories. It might be two testaments, but it's not two stories. It's one story yeah. of God's redemptive plan for his people. And mm-hmm. Christ is the center point of all That's things. Right. Christ is the culmination, we would say. So he is not just showing up on the scene out of nowhere, out of left field. He mm-hmm. is announced from the very beginning and all of history is moving towards fulfillment in him. And so Old Testament Israel would be rightly called the people of God. The New mm-hmm. Testament church is rightly called the people of God. And we are one 
in Christ because right. Christ brings Jew and Greek together. And so when we read the New Testament, when we read John and how he's talking about Jesus, it is not only important, it is impossible to understand <laughs> what Jesus is saying without understanding our Old Testaments rightly. Yeah. So we need to we need to go back, look at how, look at what Jesus is referencing, how he's picking up on those things. And then we can see in all of its brilliance, this one plan of God come together in which Jesus's glory shines in light of that fulfillment. So that is just absolutely crucial to get across mm -hmm. with why we're, we're doing it this way. So. Yeah, that's right. Um, what else do we need to say uh, as introductory matters? I'm, I'm not sure there's a whole lot more. Uh, uh, not well, that we've been exhaustive, but what else? Yeah. Let's uh, talk about well how we're going to do things moving forward as we close okay. this episode out for those yeah, yeah. who are listening. And uh, we are going to change what we, you know, months ago when we were doing it, we were putting out episodes sometimes twice a week, other times once a week. And we've been trying to figure out what is the most helpful way to do this. And, uh, yeah. and we've, we've decided that uh, just with, with the time we have and also wanting to take, you know, redeem the time, use it well. Yeah. Our, <laughs> yeah. We are going to be putting out two podcasts a month moving forward. The end of the month, we will release our John series. So we're releasing this the end of January. Then the next John, the first uh, I am statement we'll consider. Um, the first John. Yeah, the first. Yeah. But the first I am statement we'll consider. We will uh, do so in the end of February. Um, but we, before that, we'll be releasing what we're going to be calling every month in the early part, an open mic uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. What that means is not just that Mike, Michael is going to talk the whole mm. time, although sometimes yeah. I, although I, he I, could. <laughs> uh, what, what that's going to refer to is instead of having a structured, uh, thought out, planned conversation like we did today, thinking through John and the I am statements, which we'll do at the end of the month. That open mic one that we'll do at the first of the month will be us coming in and having an open conversation about things we've been learning either in the class or that we've experienced in our ministry context. And what we, we're hoping that is, is that is that allows for us to synthesize things we're learning, to bring that and yeah. to make it accessible. That I, It's really easy in the academy when you're in like a PhD program like we're in to read things and not connect it to real life and real people. Yeah. And one of the things we love about this podcast and we hope is that this is helping us, we hope help you, uh, but yeah. it really helps us to learn to work on making those things make sense and how right. do we leave them out day by day? What does what does what do these terms, what do all these concepts have to do with real life? And so that's what the goal will be in that open mic. So again, we'll yep. do two podcast releases per month in the first two weeks of the month, the open mic, and then the, the back half of the month we'll release a podcast on uh, the John series and we'll have more of a thematic biblical exploration. So anything you wanted yeah, to add yeah. to that, Aaron? Um, I don't think so. I think, well, if I say I don't think so and then go on to say something, I guess there is something to add. But <laughs> I, these conversations are are um, enjoyable for us. and And so, I mean... We would have the conversations anyway, and I think we've said this before. We would have these conversations anyway, but we're just going to record them and put them out for other people to to listen to. So that's that's our hope. And if if it's helpful and beneficial to others, praise God. And if three people listen, 
that's fine. We're, we're going to have the conversation anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's all we have then for today. So be look, be yeah. on the lookout for in the next week or two, we'll be releasing a uh, podcast on an open mic discussion from, uh, from what we're learning presently. Yep. And then the end of the month, we'll have a focused conversation at the end of February on the first I am statement. I will be releasing that through all the avenues you can listen to your podcast on. We'll be putting them out on social media, things like yep. that, and trying to, we want to do a better job also of not uh, just advertising for the sake of, uh, we don't desire just our fame to spread. And that, first yeah. of all, it's delusional. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we hope we, our heart's desire and our motivation is that people will be helped that, uh, that what we're learning is important and the things we're learning are received. I mean, as Paul at uh, one point in, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, there's nothing you believe that you haven't received. So don't live as though you haven't received it. You know, all these things yeah. we're learning are things that were taught to us. And right. as Paul talks about, the goal of ministry is to find faithful men and, and entrust the message to them so that they would share the same thing. So we are passing on the deposit that has been passed down to us in hopes yep. that it would help people the way it's helped Absolutely. us. So. Yes, definitely. And so then if you have been encouraged by what you're hearing and hopefully hearing again uh, for a long break and all of that, if you're, if you've been encouraged, uh, would you share this episode? Let people know about it. Uh, tell them that we're back and better than ever, I suppose, hopefully at least, but uh, we are really just thankful yeah, that you take the time. Huh? Than ever. I don't know about that. Well, yeah, 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 that's possibly true. But we are thankful that uh, that you take the time to listen. And uh, if if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. We really would. And uh, hopefully, as Michael has said, this is beneficial. Um, but as always, it's been it's been too long since I've gotten to say this. As always, love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Thank you.